blue collar people, they're very proud and mm -hmm. more often than not, they're very stuck in their ways. So it's like if a gas chainsaw is the way we've been doing it for 40 years, there's no way in hell I'm looking at that electric chainsaw. That's right. And it's funny how many analogies and life lessons we're drawing from chainsaws right now. It's the same guy, though, that could use a, a three, you know, uh, he could be using a, an open cab that's running in a, in a closed cab with Bluetooth and air ride. Totally. Right? Yeah. But that's why when you go out and, you know, like real farm country, a lot of those guys won't run cabs, the older mm -hmm. guys, oh, because yeah. they just don't believe in it. But I mean, I think there's a piece that's ignorant to change that also is your ego that allows you to get passed up. Yeah. You know? And you got to be very, very careful. Is this my ego telling me not to do something more efficient or better? Um, and if you and if you recognize that it's your ego, maybe you should give it a try and see how it works and you could it could benefit you, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a, my brother shares a great story about, you know, he's a, he was a Chevy guy for years. And uh, I mean, diehard Chevy. And one of our best friends is a Chevy dealer of the year, right, right around the corner. And you know, we always bought, you know, I, I bought Chevys from him. And I'm, I'm agnostic, just like the electric chainsaw. Like I drove a Dodge. Yeah. I drove a Chevy, drove a Ford. I want to give it a good truck. I want to give it a run and see what's what, yeah. you know? And I had like the fucking iconic 2006 5.9 Laramie that I got rid of and I should have, it's like my, <laughs> that's another story. But, <laughs> but then I had a couple Chevys and I had a Ford and I drove a Ford and I was like, man, this Ford is nice, man. Yeah. You know, my brother's like, it's cheap. You know, <laughs> fucked over, rebuilt Dodge, you know, like we, you know, just like truck guys. Yeah. And then I, you know, and then I bought another Chevy after that. And I was like, man, this thing's not as nice. So I went back to Ford and I bought another Ford and it's the one I have now. And I looked at my brother and I said, hey man, listen, I get it. You know, your Chevy to the core, you know, the whole dude, but you need to drive this truck. Like if you drove this truck, you would think differently. So one day I had him like blocked in at work and he just needed to run down the street. He's like, let me have your keys. Cool. You know, roger that. So here's the keys. He gets in my truck and he fucking drives down the street. You know, he came back and he's like, dude, I got to be honest. Fucking truck is nice. <laughs> Next day he bought one. You know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. now he's got, now he bought another one of our guys. He bought him a Ford. He's got a Ford. He's got, you know, his, his truck's fucking, you know, ratted out. And it, uh, it's one of those things like you give it a little try. You might like it, you know, and, and uh, you know, never, never be, Never let your ego get out in front of your skis that way because there's a lot of there's a lot of um, uh, there's a lot of satisfaction on the other side of that checking down your ego that you just may like, you know. I and I didn't realize how much my ego is getting in the way until we started working with Jocko more closely. Yeah. And he talks about checking your ego. Yeah. And once you start to become more and more aware of holy shit, I think it's my ego talking right now. I think my ego is getting in the way, or why why I'm disagreeing with somebody or why I'm pissed off at somebody. It's like, ooh. That's definitely my ego. Yeah. Put in the back seat and everything starts to become a lot better. There's a book called Ego is the Enemy and uh, it's written by Ryan Holiday. All right. You familiar? Mm, I, I, know I mean, I think name, Ryan, but... Ryan Holiday is like the biggest, um, uh, politically, he, uh, <laughs> him and I would not see eye to eye on sure. social yeah. views. Yeah. However, this I, is a pretty right, right audience. I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, let's just put it this way. He doesn't think like us. <laughs> and, <laughs> that doesn't mean I can't respect his his intelligence to be able to write. It's it's a really really good book, and it talks about you know all the falls of the greatest empires are ego, and when you you know dismantle them, it's it's your ego gets out in front of you and causes you to make decisions that are not best for the community; they're best for me. Yeah. And you know, Jocko is a gangster. He's the gangster of gangsters, in my opinion. Um, much respect for for that man. In fact, I'm a early early adopter of extreme ownership. I bet you I bought one of the first thousand copies, and. Um, 
you know, it really helped me personally develop into, I mean, I don't know if I'm a good leader or not. Right. I think, you know, you reflect and look around and that's kind of usually the scorecard of if you're doing it correctly or not. And I don't do it perfectly by any means, but that book, Extreme Ownership, really, really, really set the tone for me to develop a structure on how to teach people to lead yeah. and teach people to take ownership and teach myself to take ownership, right? And, and uh, ego was a huge, understanding ego was a huge position for me. And, you know, I, and I think understanding the difference when ego is good and ego is bad or when confidence is good and confidence is bad. And being able to really self-analyze what that is, uh, recognize it, and and play with the cards uh, that you understand. So, Jocko's got it for me. He's he's got to figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's yeah. Um, going to to business a little bit more, and something that just came into my mind. We're we're meeting with a bunch of owners of the companies we work with next week. Yep. One of the questions came up that. Um, you know, the, the mandates, government mandates, mm-hmm. a lot of business owners are nervous right now. Yep. How are you guys approaching a lot of this stuff? And and how do you recommend other business owners approach what's going on? Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I believe in freedom of choice and we believe in freedom of choice. And I personally feel, um, you know, that it's none of my business as an employer to make personal recommendations and or mandations on somebody's health decisions. I don't, I don't get down with that. Um, I think we fought very hard and very long, uh, against discrimination and we're setting ourselves up and we're really standing out on a slippery slope, you know, of going back down there, you know, we're going to have water fountains that are, you know, for the vaccinated, unvaccinated, like, is that the next step? You can't go to a concert now if you're not vaccinated. Like, this is really like, just insert the word, you know, the words black and white there. And what does this turn into? And I think, you know, when you can, when you could delineate that, you know, I, I, our meeting this Monday, we have an all staff meeting on Monday and it's something extremely important because I, I, I want to be as transparent as physically possible always to our employees. And, and, uh, I don't care if you're vaccinated or not. Like that is totally to you. What I do care about is that we respect one another as humans and Mm -hmm. we are here and we have a mission. We have a job to do. If you are uncomfortable in some way, shape or form, we can have a conversation. If something makes you nervous, uh, we can have a conversation. I'm an adult. You're an adult. But in regards to personal health decisions, that's not that's not for me to choose. So I think companies who are cowering down are weak. And the reason being is, you know, at least in my experience, um, you know, if you raise people of character and you're and you're truly, truly invested in them being men and women of character, meaning they understand that that's a, a God-given right in society, freedom of choice. And that characteristic trait should be extremely real. Um, then they should understand that, that whether you get the shot or don't get the shot has no judgment on how I treat you as a human or how I respect you as a human. That's a personal decision, much like, and I, I know people say, oh, it's not a public health crisis being gay or straight, but I, it doesn't matter to me if you're gay or straight. It doesn't matter to me if you're black or white. What yeah. matters to me is that you're a person of character. And that's an extremely important piece to our culture. And I think when you look at employers, you know, when you, they look around, the employees don't want to, they want to go to work. They want to go to work for somebody who cares about them. They want to go to work for somebody who supports their individuality and individual rights. And this all-inclusive, you know, socialistic world that we're working towards, I think 
you know, as a smaller or mid-sized company, this is an opportunity for you to show your, your strength and character. And, you know, it's not about, it's not my, it's not my decision to make somebody else's personal health decision. It's my decision and it's our, it's our obligation to make sure that we provide a safe work environment where these people can thrive and win at life. If they choose that this is not the environment, then that's a choice for them, mm-hmm. not a choice for me. And I support that decision, you know? And I think when you start cowering, you show weakness and you show that you're not willing to stand for them. Because when you're standing for them, I'm also standing for the person who chooses to get vaccinated or not get vaccinated. I'm choosing, I'm standing for the fight for the reason that you get a choice. I'm not standing that you do or don't get the shot. And I think people are smart enough to recognize that. Like I'm not being judged whether I get vaccinated or not. My boss is standing for my decision, my personal and independent right to do so. And, you know, the media has turned this into a, you know, an absolute firestorm when in reality, you know, we've gone through pandemics in the past. Like, well, how come we're not being treated the same way? You know, it's a political, it's a, it's a divide that is intentional in my personal beliefs. Yeah, and I'm not going to pander to it. In a business sense, what has happened to your business as you guys have basically stood your ground? I mean, I, I mean, you know, my last two videos that I've done on social, have, you know, the one's gone viral. Yeah. And the one's does, you know, extremely well. And I think if you read through the comments, 200 positive comments to one negative, you know, and people are like, well, aren't you afraid of losing business? N- no, no, because I believe for me, that I have the individual right to feel and think and act however I want to. And if they choose to support me because they like me, going back to the beginning of the podcast, people buy from people they like mm-hmm. and they support me, then then that will weigh out in, in its wash. I think the people who pander in the middle, I think customers are smart. Individuals are smart. And they see that the company's pandering. You know, it goes back to the black square. Like we wouldn't post the black square. I'm not getting, that's, that's not what I'm getting down for. You know, that's a, that's a, that's a movement that has proven to be uh, tyrannical. Uh, it's proven not to stand for what it said it was standing for. And we knew that, you know, St. Louis is where Black Lives Matter started. And not to turn this down a political shoot, but, you know, we watched them raise all that money and, and they, didn't, they did nothing for the community here. You know, and when you see it happen on a national scale, like it's like, fool me once, right? Fool me twice, you ain't getting me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think when you stand for, you know, what is right in the world, um, people can delineate that and they're smart. And I believe that our organization, I believe that our leadership, although maybe we're outspoken at times and maybe a little bit loud and vibrant, um, you know, we took a, we take a stance and we're always going to take a stance. I'd rather die on the hill than I'd rather live for something than die for nothing. Yeah. You know? So I think a lot of these traditional older school businesses, they also don't think that people are all that smart. Yeah, of course. Because I think people are very smart. Uh, well, uh, they're very informed. Yeah. You know, you got to think like in the digital age, news travels very, very fast. And when you think at the old businesses, you know, uh, uh, they used to be able to buy marketing and buy advertising. They'd be buying, you know, advertise. They'd buy all the advertise, a- advertising to create the narrative because they had all the money and nobody mm-hmm. else could really create the narrative, right? And yeah. so it's really a false sense of reality is what was created. And I think, you know, in today's world, news travels so fast that this is why a lot of these big businesses are being taken down and, and why small businesses actually, in one regard, it's struggling from the brick and mortar standpoint because of the Amazons of the world. And I think this is a great opportunity on many listeners you have, but, you know, you should be very careful, you know, supporting a company like Amazon. 
uh, because they are dismantling, you know, small business community. And you should buy from people in your local community. And you should make a, a conscious effort to shop locally because those are people that support and pay taxes locally. Those are people who they have kids in your schools locally. If the more revenue that is driven to those businesses, the the more the schools will thrive, the more the kids will thrive, yeah. the more the community will thrive. And these corporations, I you know, like Amazon, are sucking the lifeblood out of our 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 company. And it's just so happens that you know I fought the city of of Fenton, Missouri on the Amazon facility next door. And I have, I mean, am I going to put Amazon on business? No, but we're going to do everything we can to hedge as much small business as physically possible to support those companies and, and to make that um, a priority in, in our community. Cause that's important to me. Right. And you know, I got way off track and I'm trying to tie it back in that's here, fine. but no, you know, we're enjoying it. Well, I mean, I think when, you know, when you look at the, we have obligations to each other to make sure that we're helping support each other. And those dollars that are going to Amazon are not going back into your community. You know, they're taking a small business that was once thriving and they're putting them out of business. And that there's a compounding effect there that's going to happen. And, and I think as a society, we've got to be very, very careful of what's happening here. Um, and you have to be very cognizant of what's going on. And, you know, creating jobs, not robots, um, creating commerce, not moving tax dollars, you know, because this facility right here, that transaction doesn't happen in Fenton, Missouri. Fenton doesn't receive taxes for it. Yeah. And the business that they're putting out of business here in Fenton was paying tax dollars to the city. So now we have a, 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 a money order or money issue that's going to really choke out our local city, right? And it's how many times is that happening, compounding interest over the, the course of the country. And, you know, we're, we're, we're choking out small business. And so we're going to have to learn to take a stand. And some of these social issues, because they're uncomfortable, people don't want to talk about them. Well, it's kind of like the orange shoe thing, man. Like, I'm real comfortable being uncomfortable and I'm cool with it. Like, I'm going to stand for being a good human. That's what I'm going to stand for. You can throw rocks at me. You can make comments on my social. I'm cool. Like, I, I know who I am. Like, I look in the mirror. I know exactly who I am. And I'm not afraid to stand for that. And I think when you look at America, we need to get back to making sure that we do stand for that. Yeah. So. It's it's interesting in the construction world, we don't really have Amazon's. It, it's not very, it's, it's very fragmented. So you have tens of thousands of large construction businesses across mm -hmm. the entire United States and they pay the local taxes. They hire people locally. They buy local materials a lot of times. Yep. Um, now hiring, they can't go make everything robots, which I think is a good thing, but everybody's struggling to hire right now. Right. You guys do a pretty damn good job hiring. Yep. And like we talked about earlier, it's a lot of the same principles. It doesn't matter if you're selling supplements or, or moving dirt. It's the same principles. Jobs are going somewhere. So... I mean, if you were a contractor, what would you be doing from a hiring standpoint to make sure you can get the people you need? Well, I think culture wins every time. Mm -hmm. You know, um, we've hired it. Just we've been in this building eighteen months through the you know the quote unquote largest hiring crisis ever in U.S. economy. Even though it's, I mean, I, I think that's an excuse that people use. Yeah, we've hired one hundred and seventy five new employees in the last eighteen months, <laughs> and they're all minimum wage, you know, entry level jobs in the grand scheme of things. We believe in vertical integration, so. You know, when you look at that, it's like, why can we hire them and you can't? They're, they're manual jobs. They're not like tech jobs. These kids aren't sitting behind computers. They're packing orders, you know, individual order. They're like, yeah. they're working in a warehouse all day long. And, you know, people always want to know what, the, you know, oh, well, where do you find them, kid? You know, where do you find them? Well, we actually go down to our little employee farm down the street and we shake mm -hmm. the tree. Yeah, you grow them yourself. <laughs> yeah. And then we just <laughs> harvest them. 
you know? <laughs> and I think, you know, this goes back to standing for something. Like we believe in building people of character. You'd be surprised how many parents send their kids here to get a job hmm. because of what we stand for. And I mean, I made a post, I don't know, it's got a couple hundred thousand views. It's got, a, I don't know, 1,500 comments. I don't have looked at it, but there, I bet you of the 1,500 comments, I bet you 700 of them are, can I come work for you? Hmm. So you think about that. Like if I'm a contractor or I'm a consultant, like what do you do? Okay, well, pay is one of them. Like if you don't, if you don't have a fair wage, well, good luck. You're going to struggle. Like that's yeah. the nature of business right now. But I think what you're seeing with the next generation is it's more than money. You know, I'm not the top paying guy in the game. We add a lot of value on top of money, uh, i.e. culture, that gives them a reason to show up every day. Uh, that's through personal development. You know, we make our guys read. Um, we, you know, my brother and I are both, I would say, pretty sought after, you know, speakers slash business leaders in the grand scheme of things. And, and you know, we, we give them everything we got. We help create a platform that allows them to see and visualize what their future looks like, right? They're not just a box packer in day one. You know, we show them, hey, yeah, you have to come in and start packing boxes from day one. But if you read these three books and do book reports, this is how you get your first pay grade mm. or pay increase. If you work here for six months and you've done, you know, these 10 things, this is how you move into customer service. If you want to have a career, Outside of customer service, which way would you like to, which pathway would you like to take it? What's the, the bifurcation? And we lay down a game plan that shows them like, hey, listen, if you want to make $100,000, this is what it's going to take and this is how you're going to do it. And we teach them and, and give them the skills that they don't currently have to do that and then show them a pathway to do so, right? And so I think with, you know, they take the old school mentality, it's like, you know, throw them on the job site and you know, we'll see who thrives and who wins. And, yeah. you know, it's kind of like the game of life, right? Well, I think, you know, with this next generation, unfortunately, you know, they're used to having everything laid out for them. And, you know, in the days when I was growing up, that that is right. You know, the hardest worker is going to get rewarded and, and you know, we're going to hire them. And that's, that's kind of how it works. These kids today, and people always say, well, the millennials don't want to work. You know, millennials, millennials, millennials. And I always laugh. I said, well, I'm a millennial. You know, like, so... Wow, this millennial is kicking the fuck out of you. You know what I mean? <laughs> and they don't, that's an excuse that they invite yeah. inside their life. Well, yeah. I can't hire them because they're millennials. Well, dude, my millennials will work. I mean, these dudes and these guys and gals work their asses off. So why do they work their asses off? Because they believe and they understand that, you know, hard work is part of the equation in order for them to progress their life. Okay, well, what is the pathway? And you have to be able to show them that. And you have to be able to explain it to them. Then you have to show them real life examples of it happening, right? You know, the the uh, the days of just, you know, throwing a guy out there and hoping that he's going to, just hoping that he's going to work or hoping that he's going to succeed, those days are done. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to show them a pathway. These, you know, these kids, they need a, they, they need a reason or kind of a checklist to kind of go through the, go through the, the I don't say the motions because that's not correct, to go through the work ethic and then measure them against it. And then they want to belong to a team. That's what I think, you know, we're seeing as the company grows. People want to know that they belong to something bigger than themselves. And, you know, I actually think that the political divide is a, is a great opportunity to do that because, you know, they're trying to create divide and I'm in internally in these walls, I'm trying to create unity. Mm -hmm. And they, outside, there's so much division that they thrive to the unity. They want the unity. They want the team. 
They want to know that they're in a place that cares about them. They want to know that the people around them are working hard to get better and to, to change their lives. And you have to be able to create that environment. People say, oh, well, we're digging ditches. It's different. No, it's not. That's another excuse. Yeah. You know, people want to know that when they go to work, their boss cares about them. Their boss has their best interest in mind. It's how do, how do they move forward? How do they progress? How do they, you know, how do you offer them an environment where they love to show up every day? How do you do that? You know, don't do that. Do exactly that. Well, this it, this goes back to ego because I think one of the big problems is because the old timer got the shit kicked out of him growing up. I'm going to kick shit out of you. I'm going to kick the shit out of you. And yeah. then, but, but the reality is this generation, these young kids, they don't respond well to that. And then they leave and then they, complain about the young people we i mean uh, you hit it dead on yeah. right i mean and I, it's real I, I mean and i'm guilty of this you know i always you know walk uphill both ways in the snow well <laughs> all right let's be real here you know like that doesn't matter yeah you know if i'm tough that doesn't matter because if we're gonna win that's what matters so it's not what i did it's what i need to do in order to get them to win to buy into me and if I'm going to go outside and just Rochambeau them all and kick them in the balls and expect them to respond, like, it's pretty stupid of me, you know? And so, okay, well, how do I get them to respond? And then figure that pathway out. And I think that old, you know, and every generation's guilty of it. Oh, at my day. Oh, at my day. Oh, at my day. And I'm going to be guilty of it too, right? But the truth of the matter is, is like, do you want to win? Because if the answer is yes, then you need to put your goddamn ego aside and realize, okay, well, I can't go kick all these kids in the balls. Yeah. What do I have to do? Mm-hmm. I have to create an environment for, in order for them to feel a part of a culture. Okay, well, what is it? Did you ever ask them? You ever ask your employees like, hey, what would you like to see? Mm-hmm. You know, and first thing you're gonna say is, oh, I'd like to make more money. Okay. But in order for you to make more money, we have to be more successful, mm-hmm. which means I need you to, to buy in a little deeper. So for you to buy in a little deeper, what would, I, what would you need from me in order to do that, Right. And then you create that back. Okay, well, when you do that, then I can give you more money because we're driving more revenue. And we've always been very transparent with our, you know, with our key leaders and our, our, our employees because it's like, hey, as the company does better, guess who does better? We all do better. Mm-hmm. We'll all grow our careers. You know, if you want to make more money, that means you got to manage more people. Well, that means I got to hire more people. Okay, so how can you hire more people? How can we drive more revenue? Mm-hmm. You know, I'll go, I'll go get the contract but I need you to be able to prove to me that you can manage more people or teach somebody underneath you to help manage your people. How can we do that together? And I think when you start looking at we versus me, you start answering all of your own questions because you pay people for two things. This is what I've learned. You pay them to sell because that's how you get the money and you pay them to manage people because that's how you get the work done, no matter what. And so when you can figure out those two things, like, hey, I got to pay one guy to sell and I got to teach everybody else how to manage people. And the better I can A, B combo that, the more successful our business can be. Okay, so what do we need to do in order to do that? And sometimes it is. We always use the carrot and stick. Sometimes it is a stick. Sometimes you got to whip them. Sometimes you got to reward them. And if you let them set the, the table for what they want in order to succeed, you can give them the carrot. Mm-hmm. And then if they don't like to do it their way, then you can do it your way, right? And there's a balancing effect to that. And I think we've lost touch with I think in any great business, I don't want to say lost touch. I think people lose touch through communication on wondering, instead of just being my way, kind of like going back to the very beginning of the podcast, like if you're going to have a great business or a great relationship, you got to meet halfway. Like, what do you need in order to win? Yeah. And then this is what I need to win. And you might not see it from my perspective. I might, might not see it from yours, but a good conversation goes a long way, man. 
you know, and sitting down and being able to express your struggles goes a long way. And if you're going to have a successful marriage, guess what? You're going to sit down at the dinner table every once in a while and have a really uncomfortable talk, mm-hmm. you know, and that's okay. Yeah. Right. We want to be successful. What do you need? Because this is what I need. So. And I guess from a hiring perspective, you guys are hiring just about everybody at the entry level. I mean, part of our, yes and no. Uh, everybody goes through the process because it's important. Um, it's important even in our sales environment that you understand the process, the flow. Yeah. You understand where the kinks are. You understand where the human error is. You understand how we can fix these problems because I think it teaches you a little bit about the DNA of our company. And when you're in sales, you know, let's say the sales is the pinnacle of what a career is here because that's you know, salespeople typically make the most money, right? And that's what people are trying to do. When you get to sales, you know, you have to understand the flow of our product to make sure that you can clearly communicate when there's a problem to our customers, how that, how that happened. And we have to be able to go downstream and fix it. Um, but I also want our customers to understand the importance that we create jobs. And the only way for our, our people to be able to value the jobs that we create or to have them do it, yeah. right? And think about a supervisor on a job site. You know, if you get some rich kid who's come out and he's never, he's never dug a ditch, he's never going to respect the, the ditch digger how you earn that respect is digging the goddamn ditch. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know what it's like to go home with blisters on your hands and then build the calluses and then understand what it's like to dig a ditch. And then when you go through the process, then you go approach that guy a little differently. You know, instead of getting in his ass and say, hey, why didn't you dig that ditch? Maybe you can look at him, you know, it's 98 degrees today. It's hot. You know what I'm saying? Like, maybe I can send somebody in to go help that guy versus sending him out there by himself. So that perspective goes back through teaching them from the ground up you know, how important it is to write thank you cards, how hard it is to write thank you cards. So we make everybody write thank you cards when they mm-hmm. start. You know, it's write thank you cards for three weeks. Like it's hard. Imagine writing thank you cards every day for three weeks, but you have to learn to appreciate the process because we have thank you card writers and you have to learn to pack a box the correct way. You have to learn to write a note on the receipt the correct way. Why? Because then you'll learn to value the job that creates the lifeblood of our company right? That package is probably the most important thing that happens when it goes out the door. It is the impression that the customer has when they open that package. How's it packed? Is it orderly or is it just thrown together? You know, is the note written in a, in a, in a manner that's genuine? Do you care? And you start thinking about the importance of, okay, now we create a repeat customer. So how valuable is that box? It's extremely valuable. Mm-hmm. So instead of you discrediting the person that's packing the box, you need to earn respect for that person. The only way to earn respect is go do it. So that's where that creates. Makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's not, listen, I'm not, I'm not very smart. I've, I've <laughs> fucked things up the hard way a lot, yeah. you know, but I have learned that if you care about people, they'll care about you. It's, it's just funny. I think the, the old school mentality is, and I've seen this is because I give you a paycheck, you're supposed to care about my business and do as I need you to totally do. Totally not true. And it, it just, it's not true anymore. Not only is it not true, it's, it's, uh, it's the fastest way to sink your ship. Yeah. You know, you, you die a lonely death, right? And I think, you know, you, you see a lot of uh, a transition around. This goes back to the culture thing. The kids want culture. They don't, I'm not saying it's, it's not money because anybody who tells you it's not money is, I mean, that's the first guy who fucking lying. He, he's, I mean, you need money to operate, right? Yeah. Nobody, if somebody offered you more money to do the same job, nobody's going to say no, right? <laughs> so it's always about money in yeah. some regard. And, and if somebody told you, hey, I'm going to give you 25% less to do the same job, you're going to say no, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, there's an aspect there. But I think when you look big picture and long term, you know, the competitive landscape now is, 
you know, because information travels so fast, I mean, just take construction, you know, for a perfect example, you used to work for the, you know, for the, the, uh, excavating company that's in town, you know, there's a guy out here and, you know, and, and he employs 10 operators in the same place of our farm, you know, well, in today's world, you can get on this thing called the internet and there's 50 companies in St. Louis that will take operators today. Mm-hmm. Well, back then the old school, like they didn't travel that way. You know, job posting was in the paper. You know what I mean? It wasn't on the internet. It wasn't on Instagram. Word of mouth didn't travel that fast. You couldn't follow somebody, you know, like you who has connections to the to the industry. Like, hey, man, I'm looking for a new job. Where do I find it? We'll go here. You know what yeah. I mean? This is where it is. Do it's, it all the time. Yeah, not only do it all the time. I mean, yeah. it's the future. So you 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 know, if you don't give if you don't give your companies or your employees a reason to stay because they love you, they're gonna leave. Mm-hmm. You know, and the reason they love you, this is the this is the trick of tricks, is because you love them. Mm-hmm. And when you understand that concept, that people not only buy from people they like, they will work hard for people they like, they will be loyal to people they like, and in order for them to like you, you must like them. Mm-hmm. If you want to, you want them to love you, you must love them. It goes back to like these are my kids. I'd do anything for them. Mm-hmm. There's a reason they do anything for me. So yeah, that's uh, first form in a snapshot. There you go. It's pretty cool here. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's good, bad, or indifferent. No. I don't know. People might like, this guy sucks. No, I think I think that's great. And it, it, I was telling them, you know, driving here, it's uh, you walk into this building and you can almost you you almost put your hands around the culture. I mean, you can you can. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a tangible thing. I mean, yeah. I you know, uh, I, listen, I know a locker room. Okay, that's all I know. That's all I ever knew. I mean, I know how to play. I know how to play sports. It was a, you know. Played in college, got drafted, played baseball, blah, 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 blah. But like a locker room is a really dynamic environment. And the reason being is because if you all want to make more money, that means you all need to win. Mm -hmm. And that's the only way you're going to get paid. And when you take that concept and understand like, this kind of goes back to like the, you know, the vaccine, you know, black, white thing. Like in a locker room, I don't care if you're black, white, gay, straight. I don't care. I don't care. I want to go win. Mm Mm-hmm. So what do we have to do in order to win? Well, I got to hold you accountable, right? We got to have the same goal in mind, which we do at that level. Like you all have the same goal in mind. And then we got to, you know, manage the rules and manage the clubhouse inside of that. Okay. It's a kind of, I don't want to say it's barbaric, but it's like, Hey, listen, there's no PC about it. I'm going to address this situation. You might not like it. We might fight. And now I, I can't do that exactly anymore uh, <laughs> here, but there have been some time. My brother and I'll throw down. Yeah. That's kind of odd. I mean, not really. It's a lot of weight to be thrown around. But <laughs> the, um, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, I, I don't know it much differently than that. And you address a problem, you got to talk about it. Like, you know, I don't do the whole gossip thing, but I don't do that. So, you know, everything I learned was in a locker room and understanding that we have one mission here is to win. And how do we get everybody on the same page and the same boat row in the same direction? Mm-hmm. And whatever it takes to get that done, that's what we got to get done. And the more you create cancer internally in your organization is by doing things like not standing up for your employees. Because that's what I look at. You know, when you start mandating, you know, health decisions for your employees, you're not standing up for, as much as you're standing up for some, you're not standing up for the others. And when you stand up in this particular situation and have a voice of choice, you're standing up for all of your employees, not 50% of them. And if you take that analogy and you put them on a boat, and let's say we're all rowing, right? You got 50% who believe one way, 50% who believe another. And if you have the oars moving forward in this direction and the oars moving backwards in this direction, what happens to the boat? 
doesn't go anywhere. It spins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I don't know about you, but that's not how you progress. Mm-hmm. You spin in circles. And look at our society right now. We're spinning in fucking circles. Like, it's like, we are not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, we are not progressing. There's no problems being solved. In fact, there's only problems being created. It's because half of us are rowing this way. The other half are rowing this way. We're trying to row faster. And it's like, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they when you are a company and you take a stance, you basically just set your boat to do that. And I think when you can clearly explain and identify to your employees, mind you, and I've built, we have built a rapport with our culture that they know we care about them. This isn't, you know, I have my own personal and political stances and they know where I stand, but I don't ask them to think and feel how I feel. I really don't, like, I'm sure that, you know, however many people are vaccinated, cool. We have probably had people vote for Joe Biden, which, you know, whatever, but that's their choice. It's their God-given right. And I support that. I think that's great. It's what makes America great. But we got to get to a point where we have freedom of choice and we support the freedom of choice. And I think when you, as a business, if you cower, you're going to lose half of your employees by nature, no matter which way you cower. Mm. And so by standing for freedom of choice, you give an opportunity to move the boat forward. So that's where I sit. Sweet. So it's just like going to rise to the top of the charts, episode number you know one downloads. I, fingers crossed, man. Yeah. Who's, who's the best guest so far? We've had a lot. It's been, it's been a lot. It's super random. So we'll have some guy who's, you know, like a labor operator and then we'll have the CEO of some multi-billion dollar gold mining company. Like you had Dozer Dave in like the first 10 episodes. And Gold Rush. Yeah. Dozer Dave or Diesel Dave? Uh, He was on Gold Rush. So the mining show. Got it. Yeah. Is he cool? Super good. Yeah. Just on the other day in Vegas. Yeah. You have to listen to that one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, I don't know. It's just all these people are such good good humans you need to set up the bobcat olympics i'll let you steal the idea i I, i'm gonna talk to jake about that (laughs) i mean because if we set it up like i mean i gotta get down on this i at least need an entry i mean for the creator i'm not uh, i'm not sure but i I do drive a pedal machine so i mean we got to be real careful (laughs) i'll I'll get it set up i get a lot of you guys have the land for it huh i mean we got a hundred i mean andrew's got a couple hundred i got 150 i mean we could make it work i mean listen i got i mean i got connection to everybody here so we needed. We could probably do it like right across the yeah, road here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, yeah. The dirt lot. And I'm not kidding. We right. just have to have you know pedal driven machine. Sure. Um, let me let me work on it. All right. Yeah. Make I know Jake. He's big pedal driven. Just your guy. I'm with you. I yeah. know. Everybody thinks we're like the oddballs, but it's like the lefty in baseball. We're really the secret. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Every, everybody's looking for it, even though they think it's weird. That's right. Uh, how do people find you online? Uh, I am Mister Frisella. On Instagram, it's kind of funny. Actually, I'm battling with Instagram right now. Somebody took my name for like the name image likeness thing. They wanted to sell it to me. So I'm battling. I'm like, you know, yeah, it's ridiculous. So I'm trying to get an Instagram so I can get my name back. But my they name is your, Sal. Name? So they took Sal for Sella? And tried to, they're trying to sell it to me. Oh. My own name. You know, and I'm like, then they started posting content about me. Uh. And so then I had to tell Instagram that, hey, listen, this it's not me. And then, so they banned the account. Now the guy's trying to sell it to me. So Nice. Yeah, I, I got um, I got Aaron Witt not too long ago. Yeah, Jessica, who works for us, uh, she reached out to this guy's girlfriend, and he hadn't posted in like seven years or something like that. Yeah, and got a hold of this guy, and he's like, "Yeah, just send me a hat, and you guys can have it." So we got we got the <laughs> Aaron Witt. <laughs> you sure can, can you send this guy a hat? <laughs> sure. I don't have any yeah. Sal for Sella hats. <laughs> All right, well we uh, he's trying he's trying to on. extort me. 
No, yeah. I appreciate you guys having me. Thanks yeah. for coming to town. Yeah. It was fun. Absolutely.